And hello, movie lovers. And tonight, I have Tamika with me. And guess what? We're going to be reviewing John Wick Chapter 2. This is actually one of my other favorite movies within the John Wick franchise. But with that being said, let's go on ahead. Let's get on with the show. I'm excited to have Tamika here. I'm excited to be talking about John Wick Chapter 2. And without further ado, let's do it. Hey, Tamika. Hey, I love that intro, especially Alex. He's like that. That describes <laughs> Alex to a T. It does. Right? Always with his mouth open. Hey, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, we're not here talking about my co-host or anything. <laughs> even though I love Alex to death. Yes, um, Alex. Yes. But you know, we're talking about John Wick Chapter Two. This movie came out in 2017. This movie also had a budget of 40 million. This movie actually made more than the very first film. It made 171.5 million dollars at the box office. So that's how you know this movie is starting to get a franchise and starting to get a groove going for what we know now know as John Wick. Here's the thing: whenever I first saw the second movie. In theaters, I was thinking, okay, how is this movie going to start off? Because I'm like, is this thing going to start off really slow? Is this going to be like the very first one did, in a sense? But no, it picks off very fast. That You don't even feel the two-hour and two-minute mark at all in this movie, which is something I really do like. What about you? Um, Yes, from from the start. um, In my notes, I wrote about a... um, it was a projection, like a movie projection. Do you remember that? And it was yeah. showing on the side of a building. And then the camera panned down to a guy running or falling off his motorcycle. It was kind of mimicking the projection. So you know what the tone of the movie is. It's like, boom, John Wick is back on the job. Exactly. We already know what we're getting. We already know the tone of the movie and stuff like that, too, especially with everything that happened in the very first movie. But we're also wondering if some stuff is going to be canon or if this is just going to be like another like, you know, when they say part two, they normally change what whatever happened within part one. Yeah. They don't keep into continuity and what, what's going on, but they keep everything well in tune to what happened in the first movie. You have John Wick, who recovers his stolen boss 429 Mustang from Abraham Tarasov the late Vigo's brother. And this is something that I really thought was very interesting about this is the fact that you're seeing how the money and stuff like that is actually being produced and how a little bit of behind the scenes stuff of how this universe is being built and where this gold money is coming from. You actually see how the markers are coming from and how it's actually, how the cab place is actually a, a front for their business and their organization. And I like how he calls Abram up and, you know, then it goes back into that same tone that we have from before, whenever, you know, the main bad guy, the main antagonist winds up uh, answering the phone call. And this time is John calling, uh, calling this guy, Abram. And he goes, I'm here for my car. (laughs) Bobby Yeager. And then next thing you know, it. <laughs> but another, th- that part always makes me laugh because it's a callback to the first one. And that's how we actually know that this guy, that John Wick should be feared. But at yes. the same time, this guy is like this. This guy is broken. There's no way he's going to come after me. Mm-hmm. He's already, even though the, he's describing everything that John Wick did in his past. Yes. And 
On top of that, you're going to keep his car knowing what he did to your family, knowing what he did in his, in his past, especially the part where he goes, he killed somebody with mm-hmm. a pencil, fucking pencil. Mm-hmm. A fucking yeah. pencil. Yeah. And you still sound Italian. See, it's perfect. This <laughs> <laughs> is my Russian accent. <laughs> the only thing I can say in Russian is fuck. Fuck. But anyways, go ahead. <laughs> I, I know spasiba. I think that's how you say it. I think that means thank you or something. But, you know, if I just rushing out there, just correct me. But anyway, um, yeah, that scene mirrors um, John with one, you know, where um, what, the the head um, penman, kingpin. Yeah. Yeah. Basically just a mob boss of yeah, the Russian squad. The mob boss in the first one, it mirrors this one, where he's describing all these things that John Wick did. And even mirrors, like, he killed a guy, he killed three guys with one pencil. And, of course, the henchman who doesn't know anything about John Wick, he's like, yeah, I know the story, so what? He killed somebody with three pencils, whatever. And I'm thinking, why doesn't anybody know about John Wick? Why do they just brush him off like, oh, okay, is this like a test of manhood? Let me see if I can take John Wick down and then I'm a man. It's like that trophy you get. It's like that trophy you get on PlayStation, on the PlayStation 4, or when or if you're playing Xbox. <laughs> people can actually kill John Wick. So therefore, Let me see if I can get the big boss. <laughs> that's basically what it is, though. It's like an ego kind of thing where it's like, let me see, let me see if I can actually kill John Wick. But at the same time, I'm thinking maybe some of these people only heard legends of them, of him. Kind of like the Legend of the Black Pearl in a sense, where basically you heard of the stories, but you don't know if they're true, but it has to be true since somebody's told the stories. Yes, but I would think if my boss is shaking in his boots telling me this story, then clearly this man is real. Right. (laughs) But I like how John is over there in the shadows taking everybody down as Abram is over there telling him the story. And there's even one part where this guy's actually smoking a cigar and he winds up taking his mouth and just covering the cigar and taking him into the darkness. And then there's also that part was actually pretty cool. Those takedowns of what John does in the shadows is very smooth. I really like it. And then you get to where you see these lineup of cars. You know, if that was me, I wouldn't know where to actually start from because they're all covered up. So I'm thinking to myself, which one is actually my car? Mm-hmm. John just pulls down one cover, and there's his car. Yeah, that's not realistic. Because <laughs> if John Wick was looking for his car and came out to the grocery store, like, I mean, he would need a remote or something, you know? Right. I mean, I don't know how he just pulls down one. But this is John Wick. You know, he, he defies everything that's reasonable. <laughs> right, exactly. Forget logic. This is just one of those films that no you just stop popcorn in your face and enjoy yeah. the ride. And that's yeah. what I like about these films. It's just something that you can enjoy. Yes, right. I, I do agree with you. Just <clears throat> the um, the choice of cinematography um, and how they shot him just in the shadows. It's like he either comes out in the shadows 
or like one side of his face is covered in the shadows. It really um, pertains to the legend of him being this boogeyman type figure, you know? Exactly. And that's something that I really liked about it was how they actually keep that in tune. And then whenever he takes it, finally goes over to where the, the office is, he winds up killing the brother of that other moth of the other mafia boss from the Russians, uh, from the brother. So, and then after that, he winds up taking his, taking his car back. And, but while he's also doing this and everything too, I like the whole entire stunt work whenever he's in the car and then at, there's no shaggy cam. You can see all the action sequences, which is something that I liked in the first one. And then there's this one part that I really love is where John just takes the side of his car and just smacks one of the henchmen. Yes. And makes it makes him hit one of the poles inside the garage, the parking garage. Yes. Yes. That was my favorite, too. <laughs> I mean, just I was going to say just how resourceful John Wick is with his environment. Like, even if he doesn't have bullets, he uses what's around him to his advantage. Like, his car is his weapon, you know? Uh, just like the guy that was chasing him on the motorcycle, too. Like, he had um, his door, he opened his door and the guy flipped over the motorcycle. Do you remember mm-hmm. that he did yeah. that too. That's how he killed somebody else. And then he killed the other guy by having him smack into a steel <laughs> pole. <laughs> I love it. I loved it. I loved every single moment of this opening thing because at first, you know, I remember watching it in the theater and I'm thinking to myself, it kind of takes me on a little bit because I wasn't expecting this fast pace of a film mm. in a sense. I was expecting maybe a little bit more of a slow build to get to where we were. But uh. going into it, once I had the Blu-ray and stuff like that, I started digging it a lot more the second or third time around because of the fact I knew what, what I was getting. And then I'm more, I appreciated it compared to my first viewing of it in the theater. So that's something that I really liked. So question, do you think, um, you know, the scene where, you know, he comes home from work with killing people <laughs> getting his car back and he's like just chilling and, you know, just taking everything off, taking a shower, whatever. Uh, Would well, you have put that as the first scene? And I would then actually everything put, else action after. Yeah. I would actually have him going in, taking a shower and stuff like that. And, you know, basically submitting the place where I actually put the where he actually takes the sledgehammer and breaks the floor mm-hmm. up and everything that's what I would have done but I think it makes sense for them to do it this way and stuff like that too because that car is just as important to him as the dog that that died so therefore you can tell that it's only been a couple of hours since that whole entire thing too because you actually see one of his wounds wind up op- being back open again uh, continuity yeah yep so you wind up seeing that. So it's very continuity within the first film. So that's something that I really liked. Yeah, I I guess, too, it makes sense as well. Uh, I was trying to remember. I can't believe I forgot already how the last film ended. The last film. Was, he was just ended. walking from the, um, the vet, right? Yeah. With and he got the dog yeah. and then it ended. Yeah. And then this one opens... With him, with 
in a car just trying to kill somebody <laughs> that's yeah. after him. So I guess yeah. it's we're along for the ride of Wick's journey. You know, it's like never ending journey of him. Right. Like, okay, I'm trying to find my car now. And like you said, exactly. his wound from the first film was reopened. But then get this, John is also visited by uh, the Camaroa crime mm-hmm. boss and Antonio D'Antonio, who reminds him that he helped John complete the impossible task that we meant that they mentioned in the very first movie, where it was like an impossible task to the point where uh, if they if he completed it, he could retire, which allowed like and then of course he winds up marrying Helen, and in return, John swore to a marker. An unbreakable vow symbolized by blood oath and some medallion. Yeah, it, it is an interesting mythos. We're starting to learn about the mythos of this underground organization. Um, very cult like, too, you know, like blood oaths and things like that. Um, very, yeah, I, I don't have a word for it. It's just really intriguing that I. So to me, when he was doing the impossible task, in my mind, I'm thinking, oh, he did this by himself. But mm-hmm. like you said, when Santino comes, he's like, oh, okay, I'm here for my favor to be returned. Because he right. had help from him in order to get out the game. Right. But here's the thing, though. Just like how the other villains in the story plays out, mm-hmm. they've only heard the impossible task. Mm. And they don't know how that impossible task has taken place. Mm. And, we're think- and they're also thinking that John took all these, whatever the impossible task was and stuff like that. We're thinking that he did it on his own as well. Yeah. Up until this point. So in a, mo- in a certain aspect, we're actually in the minds of the villains in this movie where basically we all we heard was the legends about how this impossible task happened. Mm-hmm. But we're in the dark just as much as they are. So did he really kill three men with one pencil? I think he did do that. <laughs> that I think he did do. <laughs> because clearly we saw that in the subway scene. Because whenever the, I remember in the theaters, and I remembered this, I said, I want to see that. And then when they... Sh- <laughs> <laughs> and then when they show it, I'm like, ooh, I like this. <laughs> yeah, okay. I guess I give him that one point. But he didn't really or like three points. He, he didn't really do this impossible task by himself, though. No. But I do like the marker idea. Yeah. And the fact that it plays into kind of like I said before, kind of like a Pirates of the Caribbean mythology kind of feel to it. Mm-hmm. In a sense, because they have their own uh, politics and their own rules and their own regulations mm-hmm. on how they do business and handle things. So it has that kind of feel to it to me on that kind of aspect. And seeing that medallion, seeing him having to do the marker, and he winds up telling Antonio, no, he's not going to do it. Yeah. And so go against this the is rules. What, right. And he goes, well, John, there's going to be consequences. So when he declines it, so San Antonio, uh, San Antonio, uh, Santanio, Santano, Antonio. (laughs) Well, anyways, he (laughs) retaliates by destroying John's house with a grenade launcher. And then John, John survives and travels to the Continental Hotel in New York City, where Winston reminds him that if he rejects the marker, he will be violating one of the two unbreakable rules of the under of the underworld. No killing on continental grounds and honoring every marker. 
Okay, this is the other question. Who keeps a grenade launcher in their car? Like, did he say, I'm going to take this just in case? He says no. Like, I just said, hey, Bobby, Bobby, yeah. <laughs> Look, I'm going to go see John for a minute. Bobby. Okay? <laughs> Look. Look, you're the only American guy on here. You have the most basic name. I'm Antonio. You can, there can only be one. So anyways, Bobby, I need you to go on ahead. I need you to pack your grenade launcher yes. in the car, just in case John says, no, what are we going to do about the, what are we going to do with the grenade launcher? You'll know what to do if, when he says no. Yes. Just fire it in John's home. Yes. Yes. And blow and it up. Also pack my hair gel. Because <laughs> he had like really good hair. Like it was part to the side, and he had a little curl falling down. <laughs> like, oh snap, that's cool. <laughs> Very stylish. Hey, what can I say? That's how mafiosos do, do it, you know. <laughs> I see that. Yeah, right. and um, then they had um, what's her name? Um, the the female henchman. She oh. she played in a lot of movies. Oh, Ruby Rose's character. Yes, the one that all the straight women are like, she could get it. <laughs> I tell you what, she, so I, have an, I have a I have a crush on her though too. Like no yeah. lie. Yeah. See. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, even Ruby Rose has like a significant part in it, but she yeah. plays someone that's deaf, which yeah. I thought was. And she plays a character named Aries. Yes, but she is giving all the deaf people a bad name. Can't <laughs> play like it is just like with black people playing drug dealers, and now she wanna go play a henchman for the deaf people. Like how does she <laughs> represent the community? Oh my god. Okay, anyways. <laughs> <laughs> So another, uh, this is another thing that I thought that was actually pretty cool. Email John for comments. <laughs> I am not responsible for anything Tamika says. Yeah, where's my disclaimer? <laughs> you still have my disclaimer <laughs> scrolled at the bottom. <laughs> but you know, okay. So then he winds up blowing up John Wick's house. Yeah. Then John is sitting there, being pissed off. And so he winds up going over to the Continental. And as he's walking, he's still in his, he still has the same clothes that he has. He didn't, he doesn't, because he doesn't have a house, of course, but I just thought it was hilarious. I I just thought it was hilarious. He just goes on ahead, walks, but of course he also tells John Lugazano's character too, before that happens, to fix up the car that he banged up. Mm Mm-hmm. And then that's whenever we had that whole entire thing with um, Antonio. But when he walks up to the, I like this part at the Continental, where basically you wind up seeing the concierge again. And he says, is it okay if he stay, uh, my dog stays up for here for a minute? He goes, yeah. What's his name? He doesn't have one. Mm-hmm. His name is Dog. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I like how Winston breaks down the rules of the fact that there's no killing of the continental grounds and honoring every marker because it makes us feel like, okay, well, there's a safe haven, more than just a safe haven for them. They're not allowed to kill anybody. They're not allowed to do any kind of business inside this hotel. So it's kind of like playing tag and you have a base Mm -hmm. set up, which I thought was a very original and a great idea Mm -hmm. for something like this. 
Yeah, which is why I'm waiting for the series. And I was confused. I know this is a bit off topic, but I was confused because I was trying to read where the series, the Continental was shown, was streaming. Because one said it was on Stars, and then another said it's on Peacock. And, and well, it's, it's not on either. Yeah, and I was like, wait, what? It's not on either network right now. And back when I got announced, it was going to be on Stars. It was yeah. going to be a Stars original show, and it, I don't know what's going on with that. But I do know that there's going to be a spinoff to John Wick as well, called the Bellarina. So they skip the Continental and just go to the. No, uh, that's actually going to be a movie, I believe. Oh, oh, about like the. Remember Russian. the yeah, this is our third one. Third one. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. With the Bellarina Studio that we were introduced to in the third film. Yes, it's very Black Widow. Okay, we'll talk about that in a, later on. Okay. Uh, so, anyways. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, moving on from that, but I do like the also like the fact that you know he tells him, "Look, you have to earn, you have to honor every marker, just even though you don't want to do this." He goes, "Look, I understand you want to retire, but you know you have to go ahead and you have to do what Antonio told you to do. Once you do that, you can go ahead and do whatever you want to him. You can go ahead and kill him if you wanted to." Is that part of the rules? <laughs> like once you as long as it's not in the continental, as long as it's not in the continental, but you do have to honor. Once you fulfill your marker, then you can kill. Person. Well, John has motivation though. On that circumstance, he it's, bombed his house, I so <laughs> it's open season. <laughs> as soon as I get out of work, your ass is mine. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Then, after that one winds up happening, then uh, you wind up seeing John regularly accepts his commitment and meets with uh, Santanio, who takes him with an assassinating his sister, uh, Gianna, so he can claim her seat at the high table, a council of 12-level crime bosses. Mm. Santanio sends Ares, his mute bodyguard, to observe John's mission. And she absorbs him all right. She <laughs> pats him down and builds his crotch. That is who you want working for you. She is that'll a be a loyal... job you would want. Yes, I will take that job, but I don't <laughs> want what happened to her in the end. <laughs> I actually would. I actually would take the job of, of the sister too. I mean, before you know. Semi spoiler right. alert, she offs herself because she got right. dressed in front of John Wick, and I was like, dang, she's lucky. Mm-hmm. Okay, but then she kind of <laughs> like, okay, that doesn't turn me on. Are you gonna be still so I can kill you? Yet? He's, he's a very <laughs> focused man, like, sex doesn't turn him on, and that's the advantage he has over James Bond. See, a woman can come. And just throw James Bond whole mission off. He's like, ooh, woman, sex. <laughs> and he's like, all right, I'm focused. John Wick, somebody, the woman get on dress and she jump into the bathtub. And he's like, uh, I mean, I still got a job. Oh, how am I going to kill you? He's like, yeah, so how, how am I going gonna- to kill you? I got a job to do. I mean, he's the, he is the <laughs> underground crime boogeyman. James Bond version. 
Just no sex. No, no sex, no drinking, the mission. And I go home to my dog and I go to sleep so I can recuperate. And then I go kill again. <laughs> but. I was <laughs> <laughs> like, all right. All right. <laughs> so they meet in the art gallery. Oh, yeah. And that's whenever he sits him down and goes, John. Once you do this, you can stay retired, but you have, and you can help do this mark. So John winds up doing it. He winds up uh, winds up doing the marker, and then the then he goes over to the tailor gets gets ready for this event. I like how they're all talking in code on um, what they want, and I thought that was very cool. He sort of did the job. Because she altered We'll get to that in a minute. Okay. We'll get, we'll get to that in a minute. All right. Go ahead. But anyways, then you have this club scene that's going on whenever he gets there finally in Rome. And I like how they go into the – but also, too, I also like the hotel scene of that version of the Continental because then you see somebody else sitting down and goes, so you're here for the Pope? No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, if the answer was yes, he can't get into the continental. The Pope is above the continental. Dang. <laughs> no, that actually puts him in the crosshairs of him, of John getting killed because two hitmen are trying to go after that contract. So does the Pope have That's what his I henchmen? Thought. What's that? Does the Pope have his henchmen then? Like he, I don't know if he does or not, but I just thought it was a hilarious scene to to see this one other uh, assassin asking John if he also, you know, that he that he's also there for the Pope, and John says, "No, I'm here for somebody else." Yes. So the guy, so that guy actually just calms himself down a little bit and goes back to doing whatever he's doing, and then that's whenever he goes to the tailor shops and stuff like that. But I like how there's different versions of the Continental, and it goes to show you how big the Continental actually is compared to a scale of New York where we're thinking, okay, so it's just one building. That's it. But then you don't realize this thing is actually a franchise in a sense. (laughs) (laughs) It's the McDonald's Continental. One million (laughs) served. And one billion assassinated. (laughs) 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 Sir, yeah, you're going to have to look. Your marker is in the large Fries. <laughs> Somebody needs to make a spoof of that, though. Yes, please do. Please, internet, don't let us down. But anyways, um, <laughs> then, like I said, you had that whole entire scene being played out in the club area. Mm-hmm. At the same time, then you have this other serious tone music of the sister talking to Antonio. And that's when... You know, he wants that high power seat. He wants that seat. You could tell that he wants that, wants it. And then finally we get John and her in the confrontation after he winds up sneaking over there. And he, she goes, hello, John. Mm-hmm. Goes, I know it's you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he goes, yeah, I came to kill. Who sent you? Mm-hmm. Your brother sent me to kill you. Mm-hmm. Because I kind of figured. Mm. <laughs> Not even surprised by it, because this is actually a shady, um, being an assassin is a shady business. 
You yeah. can't trust anybody within this whole entire business or anything. Can you trust so, your family? No, because they want your seat. They don't, they're jealous of you. And next thing you know, she winds up slitting her wrist. Mm-hmm. And then he winds up shooting her in the head. And even I thought the same thing you asked me was this. I'm like, yeah, he shot her after the fact that she slit her wrist. Yeah, it's like she was, she was bleeding out. Dying. Or she passed out, I guess, from all the blood loss. And I guess he just shot her. So I guess she was semi-conscious. Right. It was, it was kind, kind of like a mercy kill there. Yeah, it was a great area with that kill. Right. And that was what I was wondering, though, too. I was thinking to myself, well, is Antonio going to accept the fact that it was she was killed that way? Because I was thinking it was going to be more of a bigger deal. I don't think he cares as long as she's dead. <laughs> that's true. Because yeah. he did. That's also another thing, too. With some hit contracts, they want you to either hit, shoot them in the head or there's a certain body mark. Yeah. He just said he wanted her dead. So that now that makes actually more sense. It doesn't matter how she died as long as she died by his hand. Yeah. So he winds up shooting her in the head. So. Yeah, the other question is, like, his father didn't even trust him because usually it's the son that has a seat at the table, but the daughter has the seat at the table. So it's like that tells you what the father was thinking, like, I don't trust my son. He's irresponsible. I'm just going to, you know, you can tell he's messy. He's letting John Wick out there. And even right. the the not daughter, but even the woman was saying, "What do you think is going to happen after you kill me? He's going to come after you, you know." Exactly. And then you wind up having her bodyguard, played by Common, going after John. And this is what, as John leaves, Gianna's bodyguard, uh, I think it's Casson. Cassian, something like Cassian. that. Cassian, that's it. Cassian. Let's call Recognizes him, him. Nah, Cassian sounds better. Recognizes him and realizes that he was sent to kill Gianna and attacks him. John flees to the catacombs where he is double crossed by Ares and San Antonio's. Uh, and well, anyways, by um, by his henchmen who mm-hmm. intend to tie up loose ends by killing him. Mm-hmm. After killing most of the henchmen, John is again pursued by Cassian. And th- I thought their fights was hilarious, to be honest yes, with you. it was. Especially the um, silent revolver that they had where they were, like, they were outside, right? <clears throat> right. And John was trying to shoot him through a, a fountain, which I'm like, what is going on? You can't even see him. And the Cassian is like up above on like a whatever you call that. <laughs> he's on the other side of the fountain though, too. Yeah, he's like on the other side of a fountain at a higher advantage. Shoot through point. it, and I'm yeah. like, and then Cassian shooting him. They're shooting each other through the fountain, is what I'm trying to say. And I'm like, right. and then every time they walk, were they in a mall or something? They were no, somewhere. They were it's like a subway station. Yeah, and then they like. Pew, and he was on the balcony part. Cassian was actually up on the top of the balcony. balcony then you have yeah. John. And then John is actually on the bottom. And John is trying to be onslaught about it. He's just going on ahead, goes from the outside, you know, just shooting from inside his jacket. 
probably mm-hmm. not to show that he's having a gun. Cassian doesn't care. He wants vengeance on him for killing Gianna. Mm-hmm. And then finally you get outside of the subway scene. And then you get them fighting each other back and forth. They both fall down the stairs. Mm-hmm. And I thought this part was hilarious, though, too, because as they're fighting, going down the stairs, they get back up, <laughs> they fight, then they roll back down the stairs. Yeah, it was then, a good old-fashioned beating. <laughs> yep, it was a big, big down on that one. And then after that winds up happening, they wind up um, going through this glass, this glass door. And you're not sure where they're at at that point because it's like a dark alley in, a, in also. So whenever they go through the glass door, you realize that they're at the Continental. Because the same <laughs> guy that was asking about the Pope was still there. So he's like, um, you know, there are rules, gentlemen. Yes. Just, should you go on ahead and take your conversation to the bar? Yes. And then they both look at each other and goes, so, bourbon? You still like, um, nodding to us, yeah. And what was Cassian's drink? I keep forgetting about it. I him. forgot what his drink was, too. I know it's not Bacardi. I know that much. No, he doesn't seem no. like a Bacardi guy. No. no. I wonder if it was an old-fashioned or something. Let's, let's just say it was an old-fashioned. Okay. Anyways, they go down to the... That's not even important or anything. But <laughs> yes, they go it down. is. <laughs> it tells you about the men. <laughs> True, because they both like certain drinks in a certain type of way. Yeah, you're, you're right. It does describe the characters now that you're thinking of it. Thank you. You're very welcome. But they go down to the bar, and they, Cassian looks at John and goes, "You know, I'm gonna have to kill you, right?" Because mm-hmm. I know. He goes, "He said, but it wasn't my fault. Antonio sent me to kill Gianna, mm-hmm. and he had a marker on me." Mm-hmm. And he goes, "I understand." Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> the dialogue is like very uh, one syllables, just like one syllable words. And that's it. And I like how they go, I understand, but you still have to die. Someone mm. still has to die. Mm-mm. And then he goes, take this as a, uh, as a common courtesy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then Cassian goes on ahead, pays for his drink and walks out. See, I'm gullible. Because when they were talking, I was like, oh, okay, they talking. And he explained, <laughs> you know, I'm sorry. You know, I had to. I got this marker. I thought he was going to go, I understand, John. It's okay. I'm hurt, but okay. Shake, 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 drink, and go. See, that's how gullible I am. <laughs> that's why I can't be a hitman. I'm like, oh, it's okay. See you next time. <laughs> and then here you are with your drink. And I uh, can see the bartender going, um, Mr. Ma'am, why, why are you getting drunk right now? What yeah. are you talking about? I'm off duty. Everything, I can see everything is good. It's good. <laughs> Look, me and Common made up. Me and Cassie and made buddy. up. Da, da, yeah, da. we're buddies right now. We made up and everything. Everything's cool, you know? Yeah. Put me another one. Yeah, then, this drowns on me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I could, if I was just John, I would just stay at the hotel the whole time. <laughs> Me too. Dang, I just well, the first one they tried to kill him, so I was gonna say he can get some sleep, but 
<laughs> that's true. Never mind. But either way it goes, he would be screwed because he's actually outside. That's right. Okay. Anyways, I'm going a little too deep. Oh, uh, no, no, no. Uh, can I say one thing? Because yeah. I, I did a little research and I was reading because I was curious about Common and what preparation he had to do for the film. And I found this old article from USA Today and he was saying he had to train for weeks with Keanu just choreographing the fight scenes that they had. And that Keanu was really into it because Keanu's um, trained in judo mm -hmm. and all these other martial art fights, um, um, styles, you know. Um, and also a comment was like, yeah, I wasn't used to how intense this was, but you know, with Keanu, he was just really focused. And if he messed something up, he was like, damn, shit, motherfucker. He didn't say that. <laughs> but, you know, he said he cursed, like, dang, can't believe this. He's like very uh, perfectionist when it comes to these fights. He wants them to look really good. Uh, but, yeah, that just was really awesome to know that. But also a comment was like, yeah, I was like in pain. And we, we know when we hit each other, we really hit each other. Um, but yeah, it, it just goes to show how it takes teamwork to pull off all these stunts. Right. Know, especially if you're doing it yourself. Exactly. And that's something that I have to commend Common for and Keanu for was the stuff that they had to go through to their training abilities to do something like this mm -hmm. and to give us the entertainment that we love. Make it yeah. feel real. So I do appreciate what they've done. And even whenever you see John taking down everybody in Rome inside that little tunnel area that they had oh, with yeah. the guns and stuff like that, I thought that those scenes were fantastic. Usually it's too dark and you can't see everything, yeah. but everything is perfectly well lit to the point where you can see everything that's going on. Yes, and I would be terrible at these types of films. I would have to have a stuntman because I can't remember all these um, fights. It's like step one. I'm like, wait, wait, wait. Are we on step 10 or one? I forgot. Where does my fist go? Do, do I do this? Do I do an uppercut? What do I do? Oh, wait. Okay. Do I leg sweep now? It's, it's just in my mind too much. I don't know how they do it, but thank you all for your service to us. Exactly. <laughs> so, <laughs> as John returns to New York City, Centennial uh, opens a contract for $7 million to kill John, constantly to avenge his sister, leading numerous assassins to unconsciously attack him. And this is the part that I really love that Winston winds up telling, telling him. It reminds me of like a Western movie where basically it's like, so. You went and knocked on the devil's door mm -hmm. and he answered and you burned down his castle mm -hmm. and you thought it was a good idea mm -hmm. to try and kill him. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And, I, and I like how he says this too. He says, I hope that you're very self-aware of what you just done. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. Anytime Ian uh, McShane gives you a talking down to, it makes you feel really bad about yourself. Like, but it's so felt, epic though. At the same time, it's like felt like he was talking to me, and I was like, maybe I should go to the corner and think about my life. <laughs> <laughs> but here I am eating my popcorn. I'm like, I love this. 
This I'm is so sorry, Mr. McShane. <laughs> You're right. I shouldn't have knocked on the devil's door. Right? You should be sorry. Because yeah. now you got you didn't get the answer you wanted. I'm so glad he's not my dad. Oh, I'm sorry, sir. <laughs> but what about that fight scene too? In that uh, mirror exhibit, well, you know the one in the mirror exhibit where oh, that's at the very end. Yeah, that's at the very end. Is it? Yeah, that's at the very end. Oh, okay. We're at the subway scene where basically now you see all these assassins coming together to kill him. Yes, I got too far myself. Okay, go ahead. It's okay. It's okay. We're gonna get there. We're gonna get there. (laughs) But. You know, the thing that I really liked about the subway scene was the fact that you finally got to see a bunch of assassins trying to take down this person. Mm -hmm. And once again, Antonio thinks he cannot be touched Mm -hmm. or anything. Mm -hmm. And because he thinks, oh, this is going to be easy. There's a bunch of assassins in New York City. Nothing's going to happen to me. Mm -hmm. And... You have a sumo wrestler that's an assassin. <laughs> you have a violin player that's an assassin. <laughs> and you also have a bunch of other people in the subway. They're everywhere. And, yeah. And my favorite part was, of course, the pencil part. You wind up seeing John finally doing the pencil. <laughs> <laughs> then he winds up fighting against the sumo wrestler. That oh was another... <laughs> And so he shoots the sumo wrestler in the head as he's being picked up, shoots him twice. He breaks all he, before that, though, too. He also breaks uh, the violin player's neck. Oh, yes. 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 But my favorite scene is between him and um, Cassia on the train. Right. Do you remember that one? Yeah, on the train. Yeah, that was over like, there. Yeah. Which, yeah, where I'm, am I on Yeah, you're right. You're right. Oh, um, I'm on yeah. the right track. <laughs> yeah, you are. Because this, I think that happens after that. And okay, okay. So I like how they have this scene where they're both fighting. And then finally, they, Cassian has the knife. And then John winds up taking the knife and forcing it into the Cassian. And he says to him, he said... He says, think of this as a common courtesy. Mm. So my question is, um, clearly, you know, we're in New York City, right? Because they come Mm -hmm. on the train and they got like cuts and they're bloody. And they're just like riding the train and nobody's looking at them. They're just like, "Mm, it's Tuesday. And I'm like... (laughs) (laughs) it's typical new york <laughs> yeah they're just bleeding on the subway cuts whatever and then it's a knife fight and people are like mm, whatever <laughs> like what is going on <laughs> but yeah that but fight yeah. was really good um i've seen uh and i'm sure you have too we've all seen all these fights that start on the subway uh, on the train, right? Right. But this one was really good. It was well lit. Um, it was choreographed well. Um, Common and Keanu did a really great job just with one prop. You know, just one prop, a knife, you know. And um, I don't know. I just, 
it was one of my favorite um, subway train fights, I would say. Mine too, because normally yeah. with subway yeah. fights, they can actually do the shaky cam thing. Yes. And I and I hate it. I really hate not being able to see all the action sequences. Don't get me wrong. I know that you're trying to go for the suspense, but it's more suspense, suspenseful whenever you wind up seeing everything. And I think that's something that I feel like that's missing nowadays is the fact that you can do these scenes without doing shaky cam and people do it. Uh, people can do it without shaky cam. Uh, the worst movie that I've seen was Snake Eyes. <laughs> Why you had and to bring Snake Eyes in this? Because of the fact that they use shaky cam and the most stupidest thing that you can actually think of. The person's on the cell phone. <laughs> and shaky cam, I'm like, can we please not use the shaky cam while the person's on the cell phone? <laughs> There's no reason for it. John, when did that movie come out? 2022, I think. Snake Eyes? I think Wait, so. I'm pretty sure. Age. No, not that one. I'm talking about the G.I. Joe Snake Eyes. Oh, okay. Never mind. That was in 2021. I was a year off. Oh, I but didn't see that movie. Okay. I wish I didn't. Um. Anyways... <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah the uh, but that's something like you mentioned though I love seeing all the action sequences in that and being able to feel the suspense I'm wondering if John is going to survive this or not because of common because it's that big huge tug of war match between them two because to be honest with you I think he's the only one that pretty much gave John a run for his money in the second movie yeah, was him and the other guy that he ends up shooting him in the kneecaps. Mm, in the second movie, in this movie, he shoots one of the other just just like a typical henchman, but he was like bigger and taller than he was, so he winds up shooting him in the kneecaps. Yeah, I, I like the the henchmen that give him a challenge because it it makes it more suspenseful. And not only that, but also makes it feel like that he's not indestructible like everybody makes him out to be yeah. either. Mm-hmm. So that's something I like is a little bit of humanization whenever it comes down to him. But anytime somebody can turn and stab you in the A order or whatever, wherever he stabbed him at. Um, that, Open up his wound. Yeah. Or just leave a knife there. I've never seen that. He's like, this is a common courtesy. If you take this out, you'll die. Bye. Professional courtesy, yeah. But, yeah, he also gave that. Now, whenever he does that, you don't realize he did the same choice to Lawrence Fishburne's character. In a sense, but not at that mm-hmm. but not at that level. But we'll get to him in a minute because that's actually our next thing that we're going to be talking about. So right. after that winds up happening, John seeks help from an underground crime boss known as the uh, Bowery King. Mm-hmm. Who's uh, and this is actually something I thought that was actually pretty cool. Was this they're using homeless people who are supposed to be assassins, <laughs> so now mm-hmm. you have to be careful of homeless people. Mm-hmm. And I like how they go on ahead, he hides his uh, hides John underneath his blankets and stuff like that. And these two cops are coming up to him looking for John. He goes, Hey man, hey, you got some money. You, can I get like a five dollars? And then next thing you know, he shoots them with the silencer. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> pew, so pew. I, the, the dark humor in this makes me laugh. 
Well, I like how the dog too was like, mm, it's Tuesday. <laughs> the dog isn't even face. He's like, I see oh murder God. every day. <laughs> the dog's a gangster. is part of, uh, and then the people come out, the little cleaners come out and scoot the bodies away. And the dog, like, let me reposition myself, take two. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and the cleaners are like, it's a Tuesday. It's a Tuesday. <laughs> Let me pretend like I'm a homeless dog. If you right. know I'm an assassin too. <laughs> right. But yeah, the Bowery Kings, um, and then of course, you like I said, the Bowery King who's uh summer serenades a treat John's injuries, is intrigued by John's intent to kill a member of the high table. The Bowery Kings Sportingly gives him a gun with only seven bullets. Mm -hmm. So my favorite thing that I like is seeing Lawrence Fishburne back in this movie uh, in a Keanu Reeves movie. Yes, he goes, "Well, John, it's good to see you." Mm -hmm. So yeah. what brings you my way? And Keanu is like, "I need, I need you. I need you to help me." Mm -hmm. And he goes, "What makes you think I'm going to help you?" Wait, what's up? Um, what's What's the reward money now? And the guy shows up seven figures. Oh, yeah. Goes, Ooh, you must have pissed off some people. Yeah. And then, but he reminds me of Assassin's Creed with the birds and stuff like that. I'm like, oh, man. No, I, I have not played that game. <laughs> but yeah, he, but Lawrence Fishburne playing that role mm -hmm. makes me feel overjoyed seeing him and taking it all in. And I like how he brings up the story. He goes, you see, John, this was, this was when you left me. Mm -hmm. You gave me a choice. A hickey. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> Anyways, he winds up showing him a scar on his neck from when John had the blade um, a blade, <laughs> the blade attached to him um, from some years ago. So I liked how it kind of plays off the narrative with Common's character, where even though he didn't kill Lawrence Fishburne's character, but it's kind of like in the same kind of context in a way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, where he kind of spared uh, his life, Common's life, and basically, if Common winds up pulling that blade out, John didn't kill him; he killed his own self. By bleeding to death. Yes. Well, I guess he could have went to the doctor and did something. I don't know. I don't know. He probably, uh, yeah, I don't think he could have survived it. Because even if they pull it out. I was even thinking that, too. I'm like, yeah. could Cassian survive this? Mm -hmm. Even with a doctor. And my mind, I was like, okay, focus back, back oh, over to the... Yeah. <laughs> that's what I was doing. I was busy focusing back on everything else. And I'm like, okay, I need to stop think thinking deep here but what did you yeah. think of Lawrence Fishburne being back in a Keanu Reeves movie he he, he was perfect for this role because he played it as a very Shakespearean character <laughs> welcome to my kingdom and my birds and then it was like Shakespearean and Godfather right because nowadays oh, yeah. every every bad guy or every boss got to have an animal in their hand when they talking to you. And he had a pigeon in his hand, rubbing the pigeon. 
you know, like Marlon Brando rubbing the cat and you're talking to people. He rubbing a pigeon. He's like, well, 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 <laughs> Mr. Wick. Uh, uh. And the pigeon is like in the conversation. And she's like, uh, oh, oh, uh, uh, what? Oh, <laughs> you know, moving her neck and stuff. Her, his or her neck. But um, yeah, I think it was really genius to use pigeons too. But then he, in the third movie, he explains why he uses carrier pigeons um, to get his message out. Uh, but right. yeah, I think is I think the the Bowery King is a smartest of all the um, underground henchmen because he has the homeless people. He knows the whole city. He knows the tunnels. He knows how to get in every building, everywhere across the city. And he has a wide network. And um, I love it. I love it. I but I, he's on, um, I don't know. He's probably like the lower kingpin, but he's on, on like the lower tier. Estimated. Uh, yeah. He, he, people, they don't seem to take him seriously because I thought they would know about him, right? Like these other kingpins would know this is the Bowery King. Yeah, but is he calling himself the Bowery King and sets himself as a Bowery King in his own mind, or is it just to them just another, another basically just another assassin? Yeah, but I guess like you know you got all these assassins on the street, and if they come across a homeless person, when they know oh that's the Bowery or the whatever, that's one of his men. It seems Not like necessarily because I guess if you're walking across a homeless person, they might actually think, oh, that's just a homeless person. They're not thinking that they're just a network of people, in a sense, I guess. That's what makes him the smartest of all. Yep. Yes. But I like how John tells him, so are you going to give me a gun or not? He goes, <laughs> give this man a gun. Yes. So, so he wants a. <laughs> So he winds up giving him a gun with seven bullets. He goes, only seven bullets? Why? Just seven million dollars. One bullet is a million. Gave mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. hey, that man seven bullets. But knowing John Wick, as resourceful as he is, he doesn't even need seven bullets because he used the environment around him. Right. And John, of course, is um, wanting him to direct him back over to the museum where uh, Centennio is actually being held at the gala. John pursues him throughout the museum, killing his remaining henchmen, including Arius, who gives Antonio enough uh, time to escape to the Continental. And this is the scene that you were talking about with the mirrors Stuff. Ah, okay. Yeah, the mirror exhibit. I thought it was really cool, especially how the camera shoots from a downward angle and then facing up, you can see the fight as well between the two and how that's choreographed. You can see it from all angles. And I thought that was really cool. That was a really cool scene. And also, too, I like how you have two different styles of music going on here. You have Ooh. the really action-packed music, and then you have the really zen music. Mm-hmm. Welcome to the mirrors. <laughs> Let me help you center yourself. Yes. And then you have, I'm just, I'm paraphrasing. But but I love the act, that action sequence for that same reason, though. 
is the is because of the fact you get to see everything. And as that, when we feel like we're actually in those mirrors with John, mm-hmm. so we're wondering who, where's those bad guys coming from? Where's those henchmen at? Just as John is going through these mirrors and knowing, and he's taking one step at a time, and then he's going through the mirrors, and then Ares comes over there, and that's when he winds up killing her. Hmm. Yeah. And what about her? Her entrance too, when John is like coming toward a mirror, and then it opens like a sliding door, and there she goes. She's like pop, pop, pop. You know, very three D. She's like I came for blood. You know, mm-hmm. it was awesome. And that's the one where they tilted the camera downward, and you can see both of them fighting. And John Witt does not discriminate. Women, no. men, children. Whoever wants a piece of John Wick can come get it. <laughs> the post. What do you think of how? What do you think of John? How he killed her, though. Oh, that was awesome. But also, I was like, "You killed a deaf woman." But then she's a henchman, so I was very conflicted by that. But John Wick wasn't. He was like, "If you're trying to kill me, I don't care. If you're deaf, you're not deaf, you gonna die today." <laughs> That's John Wick. <laughs> uh, time for your little scroll. <laughs> okay, so you're hey, you know me well enough to know when I'm about to do it. <laughs> so I'm just talking about John Wick. Shut your mouth. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. okay. So then. He goes, then of course, Antonio winds up going over to the Continental eating a steak dinner mm-hmm. where he attempts to remain intently in the sanctuary. Despite Winston's warnings, the expirated John shoots and kills Santonio uh, in the Continental Lounge. Mm-hmm. Now, I was like, damn, dude, you just escaped the mirrors and you're already getting a steak? I'm like, that's pretty fast service. That's his last meal, too. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's how I would want to go out. Very I want to go out eating a steak. Yep. Red wine. He's like, John, that's how cocky he is. And I understand why his dad did not get him at a seat at the table. Because he is just too cocky and stupid. And He's arrogant. Like, yep. John Wick ain't going to kill me. Not on continental grounds. I'm just going to have my steak and my red wine. John, well, 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 welcome. How are you? Oh, you can't touch me, John. Uh-oh, oh, oh, can't touch this. Dun, 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 dun. Pow. Right in the head. <laughs> and then Winston's looking at him like a disappointed father. John, he goes, John don't what do it. You? John, don't do it. Don't do it, John. Know the don't rules. do it. And then all of a sudden he shoots him and goes, what did you do? John, John. what did you do? <laughs> and then I went back in the corner and it's like, oh god. That that would be the part where I actually go on ahead, go in my corner and then cry because then I know I screwed up. Yeah, I did that. <laughs> <laughs> Got in the position and everything. Damn. He really did make you cry. So Ian Machine does it for me. So at that point, the next day, Winston meets with John and explains that the Camora has doubled the co- contract on John, offering it globally now, mm. further for conducting business on continental grounds per the high table rules, 
Winston is forced to declare John as Manicato, determining all his access and privileges to underworld resources. Mm. However, Winston delays activ- activating John's exclam- uh, excommunication by one hour, giving him a head start and provide him with a marker for future use. Before leaving, John advises Winston to warn every other high table assassin that will kill anyone who tries to kill him. Mm-hmm. John departs with his dog as Winston makes a call, enacting John's excommunicado to be activated in one hour. Mm-hmm. As news of the immediate contract dis, uh, disseminates, cellular phones begin to ring all around, and John begins to run. Mm-hmm. Now, is that the scene where they show the secretaries? Yeah, that's the scene where they okay. show the secretaries, and also... This is also another scene where they basically all the people in the background when Winston is telling them this just yes. freeze. Freeze. Yeah, because he told them, well, how come I'm not dead now since I killed somebody on the continental grounds? And he's like, because I willed it not to be. And then the flash mob stop and say, you know. <laughs> but I like that scene, though, because it's so haunting. It is. And there's no movement. It makes it seem like that John could die at that moment. Yeah. That John, that, but I also want to mention one other thing about, um, I know that we touched on Lawrence Fishburne's part, but I want to go back just for one second. Okay. Because remember when he says, well, what's in it for me with the high table? I don't care what they do. Because well, you should care because of the fact if they're going to go on ahead and go after me, what makes them think? What makes you think that they're not going to go after you? Mm-hmm. So that's something I really liked about how now John has him at his up has the upper hand with him and has mm-hmm. that respect to him. But yeah, yeah, that was good. That was a good play for him to put. Like, well, yeah, they come after me, then they're going to come after you, and then your whole kingdom will be destroyed. And he knows right. it's true. He's like, mm, okay, we'll get him a gun then. Because <laughs> John Wick is my best hope. <laughs> but I like how he runs out of the bullets and then he throws the gun at the henchman. <laughs> That's what I would do. So, <laughs> but going back on with Winston and everything, I like how he shows mercy to John. Yeah. Because he doesn't want to do it because he has respect for John. Even when John Leguizamo's phone goes off. Mm-hmm. And he looks at it. He's like, he's like, nah. He, you can tell that he's not going to go after him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, they, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. Because you can tell that they have that friendship and they're close, even when there's money tied to it. Yeah. Him and Winston has that father son type of relationship, too. Because it's like, you're like my son in a sense, because they've known each other for decades. So him giving him that mercy, that head start, means a lot. Exactly. But also he had to follow the rules and like just, you know, cut them off. And you see, I always get this mixed, this movie, like the very beginning of this movie mixed up with the third film. Yeah. Because of the fact that I was thinking that the opening scene was John walking um, with the dog. Yeah. It's the beginning for some reason. Yeah, because they're so close. Right. But but now I realize what the way the third movie opens, it opens up with him running away. Uh Uh So I'm I'm happy at how they continued that. We're going to talk about that on John Wick Chapter three. 
but yeah, all in all, John Wick Chapter 2 is actually one of my favorite movies. I like watching it. Uh, you can stream all three of these movies on Peacock right now. And if anybody's interested in some bonus stuff and things like that, Walmart actually has an exclusive where you can buy all three John Wick movies. Mm-hmm. With? With cards. Yay! <laughs> so, anyways, guys, that's going to be it as far as our John Wick Chapter 3 review. I hope that you guys, in, not Chapter 3, but Chapter 2 review. <laughs> But I hope that you guys enjoyed uh, us reviewing the first two films. We will be back again very soon to review the other um, two films of the John Wick franchise. But come in and uh, comment below. Don't forget to subscribe. But also, too, don't forget, Wednesday night, 8 o'clock Central Time, 9 o'clock Eastern Time, it's The Last of Us. And this is actually going to be the final episode for The Last of Us with the panel. I hope that you guys enjoyed listening to us and also i'm i hope they enjoyed watching us as well because we enjoyed doing what we're doing don't forget like i said comment below tell us what you think of john wick chapter one chapter two what do you think of the franchise as a whole and don't forget to hit that like button and always until next time bye bye